Hello, everyone. We are going on 20 years now in our journey with BBNR to bring holistic health to the mainstream. It has really all come from a desire to find ways to flatten out the bumps in the road of our lives and be grateful for when days go well. So much innovation and insight is coming out on health and wellness on a daily basis. It's sometimes hard to keep up. We are so grateful for the speakers who join us on this podcast and to all of the guests that come to our Georgetown conference and to those that join us at Gasparilla every year to share their wisdom. At the end of the day, we hope that we have made you curious enough to try some of these tips in your day-to-day life. We hope that you felt their impact on your life as well as the lives of the people that you love. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Amanda Haas is an accomplished food writer, cooking instructor, video host, and cookbook author. She has contributed to over a dozen cookbooks and written three of her own, including The Anti-Inflammation Cookbook, The Delicious Way to Reduce Inflammation and Stay Healthy, and The Vibrant Life, Eat Well and Be Well. After spending seven incredible years overseeing the test kitchen as William Sonoma's culinary director, Amanda launched her own brand, Amanda Haas Cooks, in 2018 where she devotes her time to improving people's lives through cooking and an exploration of a variety of wellness modalities. She's also a culinary ambassador for Traeger Grills and continues to consult for other brands that she loves. We are so excited to have Amanda on the podcast here today. Welcome, Amanda, to Health Gig. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. Trisha and I always start our podcast by just asking our guests a little bit about themselves. We know a lot about you, but we want people to know your trajectory to becoming this amazing anti-inflammatory chef and advocate and cookbook author. So tell us a little bit about you. I think it started with the fact that from the time I came out of my womb, my parents claim I love to talk about food. And I was always asking what my next meal would be. So (laughs) it just... There was no question. Eventually, I would find my way towards cooking in life. And I took a little bit longer. I really wanted to go to cooking school after college, but I got cold feet. And so I spent six, seven years working in the corporate world at Williams-Sonoma, actually, which was great. So I was always around food. I started taking classes at night, cooking classes. I'd save all my money from my little paycheck and take classes. And I just realized it was truly my passion. And so I decided to pursue it professionally when I was 29. Before I had kids, and I thought, what I really want to dig into what makes me, what brings me the most joy in my life. And so I went to cooking school and have been so blessed to have worked in this industry in in really different, exciting ways and wound up going back to Williams Sonoma after a 10 year hiatus to be their culinary director, which allowed me to write cookbooks and oversee the test kitchen and do product videos for them and really just explore all of these wonderful parts about this industry. But the thing that was the most precious about my whole journey was that as I was taking on other people's work and different types of work, I always wanted to write my own books. And I've always understood that there's a huge connection between what I eat and how I feel. And I've had some real big health problems (laughs) over the last decade. And I just got tired of saying, I'll work on it later. And so I finally decided to dig in from a culinary perspective and start looking at what I was eating and try to connect the dots between what I was eating and how I was feeling. And what I've discovered is it's different for all of us. 
And if I can learn something along the way and share the recipes or my techniques for incorporating great ingredients into your life or how I found ways to fight inflammation in my body through food, I just want to share it with people. So it's become a really fun, amazing career where I get to write cookbooks on my favorite topics, always bring it back to how we can improve our health. And I think that's what led me to you two as well, because I understand now that food is one of the most important vehicles for improving our well-being, but there are so many pieces to the puzzle. And I just love exploring them with people like you so we can share it with as many people as we know. So true. It is true. And your anti-inflammatory cookbook is so important now more than ever. It was almost like you had a premonition to put it out into the world in this time. It's funny because I had an editor. She knew it. She said five years ago, like the most searched term in food and cookbooks right now, food and medicine combined is anti-inflammatory. And so I thought, I was like, we're going to call it the anti-inflammation cookbook. But the funny part is it sold really well when it came out four years ago, but it's having a moment now and people are buying it and putting it back in their stores and really promoting it because I think we're all understanding that huge connection. So it's great that the title just says it. I think that when you were saying that you had some health issues, It's sort of those things, isn't it, that puts us on a trajectory. Can you share a little bit about what your health issues were and how you saw how your diet made a difference? Of course. And it's so funny. I was thinking about that before we spoke today, that it's always like people ask, oh, how'd your story come about? And it's always when you're looking at yourself and you're trying to solve something, I think it's always a great place to start because hopefully you can help someone else. And so in my case, I think that I'd had a lot of compounded stress in my life for a long time. But I was also a really allergic child. And so I'd had a ton of antibiotics as a really young kid for ear infections, strep throat, things like that. And over time, I just had so many allergies, tons of asthma. Literally, everybody joked that I was allergic to everything on earth. And so I had eczema and I just, I was literally a walking allergy. Over the years, it started to shift and I went from being always highly allergic to having horrible stomach pains and chronic heartburn. And I don't know if this happened with either of you, but when I was pregnant, I was sick all the time, had a horrible heartburn, and we would just blame it on being pregnant. I would blame it on that. But I'd been to the hospital a handful of times with what we thought was the stomach flu. Nobody else would get it around me. And we didn't know what to attribute it to. And so I got really tired of being sick, take me to the hospital sick. And I found a doctor after trying every type of doctor and healer known to mankind who said, I don't care what tests tell you, this is gluten. This is gluten in your life making you sick. They said, you don't have celiac disease. You don't have this. You're fine. Just take more drugs. (laughs) And I was like, this is not working. I was so sick and with horrible stomach pain all the time. And so I quit gluten, cold turkey, and I was just... I marveled at how my heartburn went away immediately. And I think that was about a decade ago. And what it taught me was that we're all unique and that diet could be this great tool for helping me feel better. And it certainly, gluten wasn't the only problem I was having. And I've since had some other problems come up, but what it allowed me to do was identify the things that were making me feel awful. And so a couple other things that have happened since then is that They found a tumor on my parathyroid gland, which I didn't know we had four parathyroid glands. (laughs) 
<laughs> so like electric shock all over my body. They thought I had bone cancer. There were just so many crazy things, but it was this horrific electric pain that we oh, finally figured out. And then I had two back surgeries that had just over time, I had a ton of inflammation in my back, always had, and, and small injuries that turned into big ones, probably because of all the inflammation in my body. And so I had those two things taken care of over the past few years. But the biggest identifier, I think, for sure, the one thing we had in common with all these things is that the doctor said to me, these are all just different forms of inflammation in your body. So your body is just reacting to things. And it's what are those things that it's reacting to? And then what do you do about it? And so those oh are my gosh. <laughs> that happened. And I got like the parvovirus at one time and which in humans is like rheumatoid arthritis. My body was just angry all the time and it would just hang on to inflammation. So it's been an interesting road. You become the best teacher because you've experienced it. You now know it. You, you now have lived it. So in teaching, it's so much more powerful. So that's why you're so fabulous, Amanda. Yes. Oh, you're so, but I think people can, they know it's not, I'm not making up a story or it's just my life. And there have been a lot of hard times with it. And a lot of times where it's truly kept me down or gotten in the way of me really living a, a great life. And so they know that whatever I'm exploring, I'm sincere in my explorations. And this all happened when you were really young. You, you were young. What you, This was happening in your twenties, thirties and forties? In my twenties. And since I had already had back injuries and I'm really tall and the story goes, every man in my family's had back surgery. They're like six, five, six, six. So they're like, you just got the bad genes, but I would go out for a big meal and I'd wake up in muscle spasm the next day and not be able to walk for four or five days. Like it would just happen or I'd move. And the thing we finally put together after two decades of that pain was that it was my stomach reacting to foods that it didn't like, and it would seize and it would lock up my back. My whole life, people have seen me with just chronic pain, spasm, which all leads back to inflammation. For people that are suffering like you did, what are some of the first steps that they should take in their life, maybe in their diet, to begin on the path of feeling better? I'll start with the diet things. And then one thing I want to bring up, you two enlightened me too, with all of the wonderful people you had at your conference was about stress. But I think diet in general, I wanted to ignore the dietary stuff because I cook for a living. So I'd say things like, I can't give that up. I got to get fired from my job. <laughs> I just can't do that. I love food so much. But when I took the gluten out of my diet and I noticed within days how much better I got, I it completely switched my narrative on that. Just for people's education, what did that mean? What did that look like? What has gluten in it? What did you eliminate? That's a really good question because I think people really don't understand what is gluten. Exactly. Okay, let's start there for sure. It is a protein that is found typically in wheat and it's also in rye. It's also in barley, but it's sometimes people think it's in oats as well. But the thing that's so interesting about this in our food industry is that oats get processed in the same facilities where wheat is processed. And so it goes through the same machine that has gluten on it from wheat. So at its core, gluten is this amazing protein that helps bind things together. So it's why breads can be so beautiful and fluffy, and you get this incredible texture with things with gluten in them. So when you take the gluten out of them, you have flat things, and all of the fibers don't come together really in the other proteins in food. 
And so what they found is that gluten is something that's always been in our diets. But when we were, <laughs> how many years back? I can't, I'm not, clearly I'm not a doctor. A thousand years ago, a hundred thousand years ago, <laughs> when we became a thing, when we could grow it and eat it, there was much less gluten in the wheat strand itself. And as we began to consume more of it and produce it in mass, the amount of gluten in our food just exploded. People ask a lot, why suddenly is everybody gluten intolerant or allergic to gluten? And we're consuming probably 10 times more than the average American diet, even 60, 70 years ago. It's a big trigger for a lot of people. And I think we, we just weren't meant to consume that much of it. And we've changed what it is over time with manufacturing and kind of reworking what original grains even were. And so it's a big trigger. And it's where a lot of doctors will tell you to start if you're having chronic inflammation. The other thing is, I think a lot of doctors like to say a lot of people, even with celiac disease, which is like the most severe form of not being able to tolerate gluten, is dairy. A lot of people have a problem with gluten, have a problem with dairy as well. And then the obvious things that come into play are things that are not made from mother nature. So all the refined foods that we keep consuming massive amounts of like sugar, most people will say, you know what, just start eating real food and see if you can remove gluten and dairy for a while and see what happens. So it's like a good place to start, but everybody's different, right? If you have a nut allergy or you're highly sensitive to other foods, but that's where I started. I took out a lot of the sugar, the dairy and the gluten. I have one technical question. You mentioned oats are processed in the same places that wheat and rye yes. and barley. So if you like oatmeal, but you want to stay away from gluten, can you rinse your oatmeal? What I didn't mention is that somebody got smart and realized it costs a lot of money to set up new manufacturing plants, but Bob's Red Mill, I'll give them a shout out. So they produce oats in a separate facility. And so you don't get any of that wheat on them. Not even having to rinse them. So many packages now are labeled gluten-free for oats. And you don't have to realize for the people who are the most sensitive, it never, ever came close to interacting with gluten. So yeah, there are tons of options out there now. And they've made it so much easier to enjoy them again, because I love oats. And they're easy to digest, right? They, they really are, even though they don't seem it. They're an easy, digestible kind of food. Absolutely. Which is great. But to Dora's point, I thought that it is true with oats. If you soak them overnight with a little bit of lemon, doesn't that make them even more nutritious? And then also you can cook them faster. Okay, you're the expert. Okay, but I'm just saying. I'm not a registered dietitian. And so I always point to other people. And that's why I had, a, it's funny on the anti-inflammation cookbook, I had a doctor validate everything, like a <laughs> real doctor, right? Write the intro and validate it. It makes sense to me that if you added lemon juice or acid to those, that it would break it up more and probably make some of those ingredients that are good for us more bioavailable yeah. to our bodies. So that doesn't surprise me. And now I want to look into Yeah, yeah. Diet. And then you only have to cook them for such a short a period in the next morning. <laughs> Which it is. They're like gooier. What's it like to be writing recipes for like Traeger? And that's like so big. Here's a really fantastic story about Traeger, and this will explain why I'm so grateful to be in um, business with them, is that when I was leaving Williams-Sonoma as the culinary director, talk about stress. I was working full-time, commuting three hours a day, having surgeries like every time I blinked my eyes. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I've got to find a way to create a life at home where I can do my work from home and gain this time back in my life. And I looked outside and I saw my Traeger grill, which I was obsessed with. Thanks to a friend who introduced me to the CEO and they had grown up together. And 
it is just such an amazing way to cook because it uses wood pellets to generate the heat in the grill. So it's basically like an outdoor convection oven that just adds this amazing flavor to everything you make. So I called the CEO and I just said, can I talk to you off the record? I love your product and I am so proud to interact with it, but what are you guys hiring? You know, kind of thing. And he said, what are you talking about? They're based in Salt Lake. And he said, we would love that, but you know what? We don't need you to come here and be another like barbecue expert. We want you to cook your food for us. And so you do you and you, if you want to be anti-inflammatory, only do that. That's exactly what we want from you. And so it just ended up being this incredible partnership, really, because they just say, you do you. And so everything I cook, like I'm doing a live for them on Thursday, or they get like a quarter of a million people to watch their Facebook and YouTube lives. And I'm making my Moroccan spiced chicken with tremula and roasted root vegetables. And it's completely my style of cooking. So more than anything, I just have to say it's awesome. Like I just get to go about my business and Traeger fits into it so well that I have to pinch myself every time I'm with them or go do something really fun with them to be like, I can't believe I get paid to do this. This is truly a dream. What's your favorite recipe that you make on the Traeger? I have over 70, maybe 75 recipes on their website that I've developed, ranging from like cookies and coconut oil brownies to the most amazing roasted cauliflower. But the things I think I'll claim are I do a skirt steak with a chimichurri sauce, right? Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Time out. <laughs> I've had that. Everybody. It is so <laughs> good. The, Amanda's chimichurri sauce. Oh, my sauce. God. Okay. It's so good. That is the best Bottle thing it. ever. At the conference, Bottle you got it. It. at the conference at Gasparilla, I mean, we were just all dying over all the food recipes, but the chimichurri kind of was at the top. Uh, number one. <laughs> it <really> was. <laughs> I'm so tired of it. My kids used to drink it. I would pour it in their mouths when they were little. So I have pictures of them like more, but it is, it's so simple and it's so good. But anything I grill on the Traeger tastes so good with that sauce. It's crazy. So my kids would probably say they would love my skirt steak with chimichurri on there. But the joke is we did this huge event at their headquarters in Salt Lake where all of their best pit masters, everyone who works with them came and cooked. And they said, Amanda, will you do a vegetable to go with all of these like dinosaur ribs? And people ate my roasted cauliflower coated in turmeric and black pepper with some hot sauce on it. It brought the house down. People couldn't believe it. Sounds so good. So this, I'm like, I'm going to be known for cauliflower (laughs) and chimichurri (laughs) sauce and the quinoa on the cover of it. People are like, we love your quinoa. I'm like, really? You want it? Okay. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. Those are my favorite. That's so fun. And I guess the other thing that's so inspirational about you is that you do make it fun. Your anti-inflammation cookbook is not complicated. It's pretty much something even some of us that aren't great cooks can dive into. Absolutely. And I think since the first book I wrote was when my kids were really little. And I just thought if it can't be 10 ingredients or less, or be able to be made in 30 minutes or low cooked on a weekend, they're just not going to do it. If I'm cooking for people like myself, they're not going to do it. And so I've always taken this really simple approach to cooking and try to explain to people, it doesn't have to take a lot of time. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money and it doesn't have to be hard and you can still cook great recipes. We know that it's not just food that keeps us healthy that we have to keep our minds and our bodies healthy in other ways. And so you have a cookbook called The Vibrant Life. What inspired you to write that? I think of it as a sister companion book to the anti-inflammation cookbook, because once I wrote the anti-inflammation cookbook and the publisher called me and (laughs) they were like, no offense, but we'll surprise. People really like this book. And so what's the next one? And 
they said to me, which I love, I said to them, I don't have time. I'm working a full-time job. I've got kids. And they said, here's what we're talking about. We have about 10 women aged 22 to 70 who sit around in a room every Monday, like coming up with ideas. And we are all talking about the same stuff. We're talking about how we're aging, how we're tired all the time, how we're constantly stressed how we don't have any joy in our lives, how we don't know how to cook at home, how we're going through perimenopause and don't feel good about our bodies. And so they said, we want you to explore all of the things that can make us feel great in addition to cooking. And I said, <laughs> my agent got so mad at me. I was like, great. I said it on the spot. I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> like, pay me whatever, because I wanted to write the book for myself. And so it was like a cheat sheet to learning about all of these other things that you all focus on as well, like stress reduction through meditation and yoga. And I just went and sought out experts in all of these great fields that I really admired, who I wanted to learn from. Yes, it's a cookbook with tons of anti-inflammatory recipes as well. But sandwiched between the recipe chapters are these beautiful chapters on things like yoga and meditation. We have a sex and relationships chapter, which is absolutely hysterical with one of my favorite women on earth, Dr. Pepper Schwartz. And oh, yes. it's just, she's amazing. <laughs> she's amazing. She's my hero. But it just was a great excuse for me to go learn more about all of the amazing things that you two have already been raising awareness on for so long. Yeah, it's a wonderful book though. And thank you for saying that because it does feel like Dora and I've been doing this for what, like well over 25 years now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So it's amazing how time does go by. And so thank you for saying that. And we do, the book is amazing. And again, really getting to know you when we were at Gasparoli was so much fun. And when you did your presentations, you did break it down. So maybe for the listeners, could you say what we should do at the beginning of the week to get our kitchen ready or our dinners ready? Give us that sure. overview of what the week could look like. Of course. And you know, it's funny, it's inspired me to write another book on this topic. So this is actually going to be my next book with a bit of a health spin on it. I learned when I had young children that my whole idea of just going shopping whenever I wanted and cooking whatever I felt like just wasn't good. Right. <laughs> right. Just wasn't. The first time my son like slapped me in the grocery <laughs> store and he was in my house, <laughs> he was so hungry. And I just thought this is not going to work. I can't be taking my kids to the grocery at 5 p.m. So I decided to put together a plan each week. And I would just sit down even for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning and say, what do I want to make this week? But what I also ask myself is realistically, when are we going to be eating at home? And when do I have time to cook? So a big unlock for me is like the last time you want to be making dinner is at the dinner hour. And we all think we're supposed to start this meal and have it ready every night at the same time. And so I just started to identify, Trisha, times during my week when I might have a little extra time to cook. And from there, I started to develop recipes, again, always keeping in mind, like, what do other people in my situation need that could be, for example, if I went to the store on a Sunday and I bought uh, like a whole chicken or chuck roast or something like that that needed to cook for a few hours, I could do that on a Sunday, let it slow cook and walk away from it. And then I'd have an option to use a couple ways during the week. So I started to get smart about what I was cooking when during the week. And I just said to myself, I'm going to the store one time a week. And I stuck to it, which was oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah. amazing. I don't know how you do that. I got That's... good at making lists. And then, yeah. but as my kids got older and they just started eating more and more, like I'd buy my little pints of berries 
and I'd look up and they were gone a day later. I still go, well, because of my job, I go more often probably, but <laughs> it is fun for me. I love going to the grocery. I say for people, like you could do it by going twice a week, even with little people in the house. And the other thing that happens is when you plan ahead and you actually make a list, you waste so much less food. You just, you're not wasting. That's the thing. The waste. So it's been empowering. Incredible. So that the, in of itself is inspiring to do it this way. Cause you're right. We just waste. Oh, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's amazing. And learning to use all your food. You have to really be creative, but I'm sure you look in the refrigerator and say, oh, I've got this and throw it together into something. Can I be honest? The reason I write more books is when I find myself getting in the same ruts where I look in the refrigerator and I make the same things over and over. And I say to myself, like, mom needs some new content. And so literally that's why I write (laughs) books because it forces me to get creative again. Do you have a thought on the induction? Can you talk about that? What do you think about that? Is it something you think people should consider? Okay. There's a ton of reasons why people like induction. It's been much more popular in other parts of the world where they don't have huge kitchens because, and it saves tons of energy. And so it's a really popular way to cook induction cooktops in Europe for a long time. One of the other things that's so cool is that besides saving energy, it's magnetic based. So when you put your pan on it, it heats up that area specifically, but not the area around it. And when you remove the pan from it, it cools down really quickly. So it's just safer if you have a lot of people around your cooktop. Energy efficient, and then it's the most accurate form of cooking you can get in terms of the exact temperature. So companies I work with, Breville has this incredible induction cooktop. You can literally get it to the exact degree. So say you want to scramble eggs on a metal pan that's not nonstick, it will take it to the exact temperature. Nothing sticks and they cook perfectly. It's remarkable. Induction's amazing. I'm used to cooking on gas because most people write recipes for gas cooktops in general. So as a cook, we're all like reticent, but my friends who are the best chefs all use induction. It's the most accurate way for sure. Yeah, definitely. Have you ever had a yen to open a restaurant? Here's how I feel about that. When I got out of cooking school, the woman who ran the school said, what do you want to do? And I said, not run a restaurant. That's the only thing I knew I didn't want to do. But my mind is changing. I don't want to deal with the daily hassle of a restaurant. I think it would be like having 12 children at once who need you 24 hours a day. But in my town, there's this beautiful old brick building that sits empty. And it's just the people who own it, I guess, have no desire to sell it. They don't care. And it's a historic building at this point. And I just keep thinking, what if there were a place where you could buy my kind of food, this like healthier, better for you options, whether it's got a to-go section where it's ready to grab and go for your family and heat it up or sit down if you wanted. And so I want one, Doro, but I don't want (laughs) the operation. Yeah. Can I play Yeah, Yeah. that would be so amazing to have a place like that, though, to just know what's in it and it's healthy and you just can go get it. Mm -hmm. Food that you had, you did such a great job of adapting my recipes at Gasparilla and the chef there. The surprise and delight when people saw those roasted vegetables on a carving board. Can you imagine if you went to a restaurant and that was an option? That grilled (laughs) one. For the people listening, it was a carving station of, was a watermelon. It was maybe a big butternut squash or something. And they were slicing it like, Roast beef. Yeah. roast beef. Or something. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So I noticed on Instagram, you're doing a 30 day challenge. What does that entail? 
being at home and really having a lot of time to think over the past few months, I've had time to be like, what do people really want at the new year? And I don't know about you two, but I got into some habits I'm not particularly proud of. <laughs> we were at home all the time. Like I joke that I want to be buried with Hagen dust with salmon vanilla ice cream. It's my absolute favorite. And but I I don't think it's great to punish ourselves at the beginning of the new year and say we need to be new people. This whole new year, new you idea is just not, it's not for me. And so I wanted to rebrand the idea of January is a great time to take stock and take great care of ourselves. But instead of being so punishing about it, why don't I just share recipes and great learnings with people every day that you can incorporate into your life? So Dora, I'm doing 30 recipes. So I'm sharing recipes like my shopping list. I send out the recipes and the link is in my Instagram bio right now for what I'm cooking that week along with a shopping list. And then I'm cooking a recipe every day live. And then every day I'm trying to do one other thing around our health as well. Doing meditation or bringing on an expert to talk about something else or even sharing information out of books that I've read with people. So just a, a kinder, gentler way to ease into this new year and think about how we want to take care of ourselves. Oh, I think that's so true because as you said, we have to really start learning to love ourselves. And to let go of the judgment. And so this whole new you, new me kind of thing, it's just not really good for our vagus nerve. Our vagus nerves really need to calm down and not feel the stress. The gentleness of what you're describing is perfect. I would rather people learn about their vagus nerve and what that means to actually know how to calm it down and how to breathe. Right. And so that's such a it good is way you guys to I'm doing it now. This is the quickest way to do it. <laughs> Dr. McClure, who's a holistic dentist, told me that the other day. So it's just pull on your right ear. You no, know, and he says it helps trigger your vagus nerve and your parasympathetic nerve. So there's all kinds of little hacks that we can do. Before we end the podcast, we have to ask about Katie Couric, who we are, admire and think is terrific. I know she's a good friend of yours and that you work with her. Tell us about working with Katie and what you're doing with her. Okay. I love her so much. And the way I became friends with her is that I literally said out loud on Instagram one day while taking a walk, there aren't that many people or celebrities I would want to follow me, but I love Katie Kirk so much. And I think she's incredible. And I've always looked up to her for these reasons. And she literally followed me and said, thank you so much. Like, that's so nice of you. And I was like, is this Katie Kirk? I'm being punked. And so it was so beautiful. And that she just said, and then she saw what I did. And she's like, how can I support you? How can I support your career? So when the Vibrant Life came out, I, th I literally thought it was somebody joking with me. She invited me to her home in New York. I flew out to be on CBS and she said, come to my house and cook with me. And she invited me into her house at 7 a.m. in her pajamas. And I made her breakfast and we filmed the whole thing and sat around like old friends and got to know each other. And I just was blown away by her generosity, her sense of humor, and just how real she is. So I think we just realized we just support each other. And last year we got into this whole, Dr. Mark Hyman had printed this new book about called The Pegan Diet. And I said to her, she said, I'm going to do it. And I just said, hey, why don't I make a menu for your readers and let's all do it together. And so we had a chance to cook together on here. And we just, I think, have recognized each other as people we really want to encourage and support. And so she's just, I feel so lucky to know her. But what she's done for me with her company is that she started Katie Kirk Media, which is incredible with her husband, John Molnar. And so they publish a newsletter every day where I love to get my news. That's an amazing news source. 
but they do a lot on health, wellness, a lot of other content based on culture and other topics. And so her readers have really taken to my recipes. And so we're finding more impactful ways to partner long-term. So we're working on some stuff right now I'm really excited about. But if you go to Katie's website, just at katiekirk.com, and you go to the recipes part or you enter my name, you'll see all kinds of recipes I've done specifically for her readers. Then we try to collaborate when we can around important topics on Instagram. How can people find you who want to start following you and making your recipes? My website is just my name, amandahaascooks.com. Two A's, one S in the last name. I'm adding a dozen new recipes this month, but all of these recipes, probably 60 or 75 of my best recipes are on there already and more to come always. And then you can also subscribe to my newsletter, which I am not consistent with. You'll get it a couple times a month um, if you go to amandahaascooks.com. But then you can also find me on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Amanda Hoskooks. Yes. And you have a great Instagram and you do fun Instagram lives. And Trisha and I just think the world of you. And we're just so honored that you're on our podcast today. And we thank you and we wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much. And I hope, like I said, I'll be emailing you to see if I can wrangle you into do a meditation. I've learned so much from both of you. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well.